I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Thursday, October 15th. Stocks are down. COVID hospitalizations in Missouri and Wisconsin are up to record highs. And we're focused on accusations of social media censorship. If you've been on Twitter or Facebook today, you might have seen discussion of a New York Post story about Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and what the former vice president did or didn't know about Hunter's business dealings. But you didn't actually see a link to that story, at least on Twitter. In fact, if you shared it, you were temporarily blocked. On Facebook, you could have posted about it, but the reach of that post was limited. Why? Well, mostly because the New York Post story is based on emails allegedly obtained and distributed by someone with access to Hunter Biden's laptop, and that could amount to an illegal hack. Moreover, there is some evidence that at least one or more of the alleged emails may have been manipulated based on timestamp and other metadata. Four things to know. First, this is the first time that these platforms have ever blocked distribution of a story by a major media outlet, which the New York Post most certainly is. Two, both platforms do have pre-existing policies against distributing hacked materials, although it has been selectively enforced. Three, we here at Axios, we don't know if the Post story or its source documents are legitimate. I wish we did, but we don't. Fourth, a lot of Republicans are livid, arguing that Facebook and Twitter are putting their thumbs on the scales of an election that is just weeks away, basically arguing censorship. And earlier today, Senators Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham said they would subpoena Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey to testify on this matter. So we want to dig deeper into it with Senator Ted Cruz, who I am joined by now. So, Senator, I want to put you in the position of being the CEO of Twitter or of Facebook. If you believed that there was a story being disseminated on your platform that contained not just misinformation, but potentially intentionally manipulated information, what would you be doing about that? What I wouldn't be doing is engaging as a censor. The New York Post is a serious media outlet. It has the fourth highest circulation of any newspaper in America. And what Twitter has done is unilaterally decided to censor the media, to block the media from reporting on a story. If the story is wrong, we see stories that are wrong in the press all the time. And the best way to find out if a story is wrong is to have other stories refuting it. But at this point, Twitter, Jack Dorsey is interfering in this election. He is nakedly interfering in this election. And we've never seen this before. Look, Axios is a media publication. Do you want Twitter deciding that Axios's story, if they don't like a story, you can't tweet it. Nobody else can tweet it. Nobody can read your story. If your story is wrong, let people refute it on the facts. Don't let a couple of Silicon Valley billionaires just censor everyone and silence the press. But let me ask, though, the argument, again, I'm playing devil's advocate to a certain extent, but the argument that you're hearing more from Facebook, but also from Twitter is not that they think necessarily that just that the story is wrong, you know, bad reporting or incorrect reporting or poor sourcing, but that the, because the Post did publish some of the documents or screenshots of some of the documents, that they have reason to believe that those documents have been intentionally manipulated. If you run those companies, what do you do about a situation? Do you just let that get disseminated through your platform? It is not big tech's job to be the speech police. Well, no, but to be the information police. Hold on a second. It's, it's not their role to determine who gets to speak and who doesn't. And by the way, if the emails are fake, 
you know what? The New York Post can be sued for defamation. If a media outlet puts out defamation, they can be sued. You know who can't be sued? Twitter. They're protected by Section 230. So the New York Post, presumably their lawyers signed off on their publishing the story. They have enough confidence in the story and their sources. And I don't know if their sources are right or not, but I am aware of zero precedent for big tech censoring and silencing the media. When you say censoring, they're not letting them on their platforms. But as you said, the New York Post has the fourth highest circulation in the country. The New York Post, NewYorkPost.com. Anyone can read this story on the Internet right now, correct? Facebook and Twitter aren't the Internet. They're a piece of the Internet. Well, except big tech has a monopoly position. We have right now roughly 70 percent of Americans get their political news via social media that if big tech blocks it and on Twitter, not only can you not tweet it out, they're blocking the New York Post from reaching their own followers and tweeting out their own story. And there's nothing to stop. We haven't seen it yet, but the main portal people get to the Internet is Google. And under big tech's arrogant power, there's nothing to stop Google from saying we're going to block getting to this story also. Who in their right mind would let a handful of oligarchs in Silicon Valley have total monopoly control over speech in America? It is asinine. And in this instance, it is deliberate political interference designed to influence the election. You announced today, along with Lindsey Graham, that you guys are going to subpoena Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter. Do you also plan to subpoena Mark Zuckerberg? I would be happy to subpoena Mark Zuckerberg. I think it would make sense to subpoena them both. I focused on Dorsey because Twitter is not only blocking the New York Post story from yesterday on Ukraine, but today the Post came out with a second story with serious allegations about corruption concerning the Biden family and communist China. Based on the same documents, correct? Or document trove? Different emails, but apparently from the same source, which is this laptop that they say they have. And by the way, if it's not Hunter Biden's laptop, let them demonstrate it. If there's a reason to doubt the accuracy of it, we have the same process we have for every other story in the press. That's actually called free speech. If something is fraudulent, sue the hell out of them. But don't censor the media. Don't silence. We're 19 days out from an election. And so the reason I focused on Jack Dorsey and Twitter is because Twitter is blocking the China story. Facebook right now is not blocking the China story. So Dorsey has doubled down. And it's I think big tech, frankly, is just drunk on their power. I was speaking to our media reporter, Sarah Fisher, about this story before I got on with you. And she said there's been some talk about a middle ground here, which is that if you're a company like Twitter or Facebook, if you believe that information is intentionally misleading, false, hacked documents that have been manipulated, something like that, that rather than blocking them indefinitely or letting them go out indefinitely, that they should have a policy whereby they basically go into a holding pen for pick a time, 24 hours, 36 hours for them to either make their case or let it go. Is that a sort of policy that you could live with? No, it's not their job to be censors. If something is false, look, under this reasoning, the Pentagon Papers would never go out because, well, oh, hold on, they were stolen. They may, we don't know where they came from. Look, the free press is a really critical safeguard of liberty and democracy in our country. And I agree with John Stuart Mill, who said the best cure for bad speech is more speech. Listen, you've never heard me argue that Bernie Sanders or AOC or Joe Biden should be censored, even though I disagree with a lot of things they say. I actually think the best way to respond to things that are wrong is with truth and facts and substance 
Big tech doesn't want to do that. They want to silence anyone who dares disagree. Can I ask about that? Help me square this circle, because, for example, if you look at Facebook's top 10 stories today in terms of number of shares, the 10 most disseminated or distributed stories on Facebook today, they only come from three sources. They come from Fox News, a Fox News contributor and from President Trump. So if Facebook's trying to silence or censor conservatives, it seems to be doing a miserable job of it. Well, actually, in the spectrum of big tech, I think the worst offender consistently is Google. And the next worst offender is Twitter. And in Google, I wrap YouTube into Google because YouTube's a wholly owned subsidiary of Google. And I think Facebook is, relatively speaking, not as bad an offender as the others. Senator, the remedy or a remedy, at least you see President Trump tweeting about this today, is to get rid of Section 230, which is basically liability. You talked about it a little bit earlier. Liability protection for these social media platforms. I'm curious, though, if Section 230 were repealed and not replaced with something, if it were simply repealed, That would obviously open the floodgates of litigation against Twitter, Facebook, et cetera, for anybody who feels wronged by comments, posts on those platforms. Wouldn't that ultimately lead to those platforms censoring much more content basically to cover themselves? Look, when Congress passed Section 230, it was because they believed that tech outlets would be neutral public fora. And they were for a long time. This was a conscious decision. This didn't happen accidentally. And it's not like they were forced into doing it. They realized they had power and they're going to use the power to influence and to warp elections and free speech in our country. Final question for you, specific to Twitter, since Dorsey, as we talked earlier, he is the person you've subpoenaed. You've got nearly four million Twitter followers. President Trump, I don't even know the number, but has said you know, publicly Twitter is how he communicates best with the American people, directly unfiltered with the American people. If those two things are true, how can it also be true that Twitter is putting its finger on the scale? Wouldn't it, if it really wanted to put its finger on the scale, not let you and President Trump tweet? Well, Twitter just blocked the president's press secretary from tweeting. They have done that. They have also blocked tweets from the president of the United States. Hold on, wait, they've put information warnings on them. But with the press secretary, am I correct in saying, though, that was for sharing the New York Post story? They also did that to a Politico reporter. That's not about that's not about political bias. That was the policy that I know you disagree with, but that wasn't about silencing conservatives. So it's not about political bias. Can you point to any Democrat they've ever done that to? Twitter did block the DNC back what, two months ago from tweeting briefly, just like the press secretary, but briefly blocked the DNC. This is every time I've asked Twitter that under oath, they've been unable to point to a single example. The last 24 hours were a dramatic escalation. I'm not aware of a previous instance in which Twitter has tried to block a major press outlet from putting out their reporting. Axios would understandably be really ticked off if Twitter blocked anyone from tweeting an Axios story. You're in the business of putting out stories. And if they said the Axios story was wrong, you know what Twitter would have the right to do? Write a story explaining the Axios story is wrong. It's based on fraudulent documents. Okay, that's actually free speech. And if your story was wrong, you would face the consequences of that. That's not what Twitter's doing. They behave like the star chamber. You shall be silenced because we decree it. That is a terrible thing for anyone who believes in free speech or free elections in America. Senator Cruz, thank you so much for taking the time today. Always a pleasure. Welcome back. What we're reading today is a new report from the Urban Institute focused on how state tax revenues has been impacted by the pandemic. Conventional wisdom, of course, is that the shutdowns, business closures and layoffs 
have had a devastating impact on states, making it harder for them to pay for everything from education to public safety. And in most cases, the Urban Institute found that to be true, including in states like Florida and Texas, where year-to-date tax revenues are down more than 10% year over year. But the Urban Institute also found that eight states have not been negatively impacted in terms of tax revenue, including Washington, Colorado, and Georgia. So we asked the report's author, Lucy Dadian, what we can learn from both the haves and the have-nots. So population density matters a lot. States that have highly dense areas, such as big cities like New York City and Los Angeles, have been hit hard and had resulted in a significant decline in revenues. But the states that have high reliance on sales tax have been suffering the most and particularly the states that do not have income tax, such as Florida and Texas. The states that have high dependence on oil industry have been hit much harder because of the impact of the steep declines in oil prices. On a positive side, the states that have more progressive income tax rates, particularly because Most of the jobs that have been lost during this recession are low-income jobs, help the states to see less decline in income tax revenues. Today, we're also continuing to watch the stimulus negotiations. On yesterday's show, House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer told us that one major sticking point was the Democrats' demand for a national testing plan. This morning, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin told CNBC that the White House will give on that point. So let's call that a little glimmer of progress. And finally, today, we are looking at the lettuce market. Yeah, that's a thing. According to Bloomberg, 2020 is shaping up to be the first year in which sales of romaine and other leafy lettuces could surpass sales of iceberg lettuce. Well, at least since the late 1990s, because that's when the government began keeping detailed records. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. It's my producers, Tim Shovers, Naomi Shaven, and Alex Sugiora. Have a great national shawarma day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap.